God is good. And all the time. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we come this morning in prayer to you, giving you thanks for the goodness in which we've experienced your presence amidst the storms, Lord, your peace amidst the crisis in which we are in. Lord, thank you for Emmanuel and thank you for this church and the opportunity we have to be in ministry with each other and with our neighborhood for the many ways and places you call us, for the missions in which you enable us, uh, for the lives in which are touched and transformed by you. Lord, we thank you for your word that continues to be our foundation and our guide. And as we come to hear it today, Lord, may you set my voice aside that it's your word and your voice that's heard. Give us ears to hear. In your name I pray. Amen. As a church, we have dared to dream, and God has blessed our prayers. But you know what? God's not done, and neither are we. We're continuing to grow forward with our master plan and experiencing vital community weekly. God is doing a new thing at Emmanuel. But I have to admit, Monday, I wondered if that dream would be interrupted. If you remember what happened Monday and the storms came in and we uh, heard news pretty quickly that two large trees had fallen from the pumpkin patch into the parking lot. Greatly that our, our blessedness that the church building was not damaged, but we recognize there are many neighbors around us whose homes were, and our prayers and our help if needed continues to be offered. I can't tell you, as we were cleaning up, how many cars began to drive through the parking lot. I couldn't see faces because it was the phones that were videoing or the pictures that were being taken as people drove and drove and drove through. Some stopped to visit. One stopped to help. In other words, people were distracted by the destruction and captivated by the damage, but not motivated to help. The plans, the community, the dreams that we have as a church will continue. And I'm confident that even if the storm had caused damage, those dreams would continue to move and grow forward. But here's the real question. How will we respond to the next storm? And the storm after that? And the future storms that we will experience in the years to come? You already know what today's scripture is about. Jane has given us a good history and outline of Jacob and Jacob's ladder. So I want to talk about the patriarchs for just a minute. Remember who was Jacob's father? Isaac. And Isaac's father was Abraham. And Abraham had a dream or he had a vision. If you look back at Genesis 12, do you remember the vision that God gave to Abram, who later became Abraham? I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. 
I will bless those who bless you, God said to Abram. He established a covenant, a covenant that he would be their God and they would be his people. A promise, a blessing, and a place in which the descendants would live. And Abram, upon hearing this, did what the Lord had told him and journeyed forward. What do you dare to dream for yourself? What do you dare to dream for your schooling, your career, or maybe even your retirement? What do you dare to dream for your family or for those that you love? What do you dare to dream for the church, for the neighborhood, for the kingdom of God? Why is it that when we have those dreams, sometimes we respond and sometimes we don't? I think it's about clarity and fear. Sometimes it could also be a storm that's brewing that might distract us or knock us off our paths. Whatever happens, we need together to stay focused on God's purpose, live out our vision, and continue to build a vital and sacred community. Today's scripture is about a dream. It's Jacob's dream of reaching to heaven or a ladder and the angels reaching towards heaven. I have to admit that I began to picture that ladder as I looked at the trees and the tree that had fallen. How high did it go? Man, how close to heaven might it have been? But we know Jacob's dreams about much more than a ladder. It's about the result of a storm that is brewing in Jacob's family. And it's God's reminder that he is present with Jacob in the midst of it. Now, Jacob's father is who again? And Jacob had a brother. And what was Jacob's brother's name? Esau. And you remember the little tension, the little scuffle that Jacob and Esau had? Esau, after returning from a hunting excursion, had sold to Jacob his birthright. He was hungry and he sold it for a, a pot of lentil stew and bread. And then in chapter 27, right before chapter 28, which we're reading today, in chapter 27, Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother, helps trick Isaac, their father, who's almost blind, into giving the blessing and the birthright to Jacob, that Jacob would lord over his brothers, that he would have the fatness of the earth, that the older would serve the younger, that he would be blessed with grain and wine. It's through him, it's through Jacob that this vision that his grandfather had would come true, but would. Would this disagreement, this scuffle with his brother cause the dream? To be thwarted. Esau's not very happy. He said he would even want to kill Jacob. 
So Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother, catches wind of this and sends Jacob to Rebekah's brother's house in Haran. It's here on this journey of Jacob to Haran that we pick up Jacob's dream. So I invite you to follow along with me in today's scripture that comes from the first book of the Bible, Genesis 28, verses 10 through 22. Genesis 28, verse 10. I hope you'll follow along with me on the few Bibles of the Bibles you've brought with you. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you. And will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I do not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose up early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house, and all of that you give me I shall surely give one-tenth to you. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you dream? Do you remember your dreams? Or do you have those dreams that you wake up and you know you dreamed and you just wish it's right there on your tongue, but you can't quite identify exactly what it was and remember what happened? Has God ever spoken to you in a dream? What did you do upon hearing His voice? Today's scripture, God speaks to Jacob in his sleep through a dream. A divine encounter, but what does it mean? What do we gather today as a church? What is it that we take from this passage today? We know that Jacob is escaping Esau's hatred. He's on his way to his uncle Haran. But this is the first time that we capture Jacob by himself. 
He's either been with his mother, Rebecca, or his father, Isaac, or with his brother. But today we see him by himself. Their appearance is a new beginning for Jacob. Probably not what he anticipated, and his future doesn't look very bright. Jacob's in a vulnerable spot. Will he survive the storm? Will the tension get the best of him? Have you been there? Can you relate? So what does God do? God confirms to Jacob that Jacob is the one to carry on God's promise that God made to his grandfather and to his father. Promise of a blessing, a land, and descendants. What was an ordinary journey in an ordinary place, sleeping on an ordinary stone, God transforms into a sacred moment. It becomes a holy place. I believe that's what God calls us as a church to be is a holy place. You said it's a church. Of course it's a holy place. I mean, just come inside. we got a cross on the outside. Come feel God's presence when you come into worship together with us. But a church is only a building unless we, the people, the church, Live in holiness. God's blessing on Emmanuel is beautiful. It's bold. It's bountiful. Our future is bright and we're reaching to new heights. But unless we view it as a means for Christ to be transforming lives, especially our own lives, then we missed the point. We're reminded today that even amidst the storms that we face, if we focus on carrying out His purpose, God will continue to seek to lead and bless us. Philippians 1.6 He who began a good work in you will carry it out into completion into the day of Christ Jesus. May that be a guiding verse for us. God is transforming an ordinary building, an ordinary church, ordinary people into a holy place through which people can experience and share God to the fullest and be transformed by the grace and truth of Christ. If you're in a community group, we've been talking about grace and truth and the fullness of Christ in the midst of that grace and truth. And the complete fullness of both and that there's a tension between each as we seek to love one another. Are we as a church willing to work through the tension? Are we willing to take this pile of dreams that at this point is mostly sketched out on paper and fully and really understand them and follow them on the inside as well as on the outside?
You know, it's interesting in this story that the angels are ascending and descending down the ladder, but none of them talk to Jacob. But who talks to Jacob? God does. We hear God speak directly to Jacob, stands right there with him, and Jacob hears the divine presence from God himself. A promise that God will be with him. He is the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, he says. God ties together his Christian family and his biological family. That this promise is not just something of tradition that's told and passed down, but it's something that God, again, makes directly with Jacob. And when he awakes, Jacob doesn't speak of God's presence in his dream. He speaks of God's presence in this place. Will people speak of God's presence in this place when our new building is finished? Will people speak of God's presence in this place each step that we take in that direction? What must we do to dare to dream and do for the holiness of God to be present along the way? After Jacob's dream, he has no fear. God is present with him. He's comforted by the one of whom his father had been talking about. God has confirmed Jacob's gaining of his birthright and blessing. Jacob has gone from hearing God to knowing God. He's filled with a new sense of purpose. Gary talked about our purpose last week. And with that comes a promise. And here's the promise. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid for we're on the same journey from hearing about God to knowing about God. From going from fear to faith to future, from going from the ordinary to the sacred. The stone that Jacob laid his head on when he dreamed became a sacred symbol of his experience. He anointed it with oil. He, he stained it. He marked it. He set the stone aside as a sacred symbol. To whom is Emmanuel seeing as a sacred symbol. And to whom needs to see Emmanuel as a sacred symbol? Not because of what we do, but because it's evident that God's presence is at work amongst us. Now, I need to say and be sure I'm clear that Emmanuel is not the only place in which God can be found. And one doesn't have to know God to come into the doors of the church because it's the very presence of God which I hope people encounter when they come that can nurture and sustain one's ongoing journey. 
In other words, the church is not the final destination. We don't invite people to church. We invite them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I see the church as an airport. A place in which we come to be nurtured and fed and sent on into the next place in our journey. God promises Jacob a blessing. Descendants in the land. Jacob makes a vow in, re in return. He, he repeats that which God does for him. He owns it for himself. Is, if God will keep up his end, which he will, we know that, then Jacob will. And what does Jacob say? He says that God, the Lord, Yahweh, will be my God that this stone, this sacred symbol, will be his house and that he will offer God a tithe. One-tenth of all that God will give him. I think this is a pretty good model for what we need to do in order for holiness of God to be present in Emmanuel <clears throat> each step of the way. Jacob's response to this encounter, to this dream, to this sacred moment with God, Jacob's response shaped the future. Our response to this stirring shapes the future of this church. God says he will not leave us no matter what storms we face. But we can't be passive or distracted in our response or desire for holiness. God will answer our dreams. Let us dare to dream them. In the name of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit.